Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Thanks for joining us tonight for Getting Real with Siren Soapbox. It's like a a book club, but with movies. And we add a Siren Soapbox twist and have a movie-themed challenge. If you like what you're listening to, join the Facebook group by the same name, Getting Real, R-E-E-L, with Siren Soapbox. There, you can vote on the latest movie, see all the posts, and join in on the conversation. Before we get started, we want to share a few things about Siren Soapbox. We are a podcast on a mission to experience life outside our comfort zone, because we believe in exploring new territory, we begin to uncover what truly makes us happy. We have some fun episodes coming up, like learning another language with the app Duolingo, diving into another culture's cuisine with Eat to Explore, and so much more. We're changing up our format so we can take you our fellow explorer along the journey with us. Make sure to tune in every week wherever you listen to podcasts and check those description boxes to stay up to date on all of our adventures. Let's dive into getting real. Typically on the podcast, every siren gets a soapbox, but since it's our getting real club, we'll have everyone say their name, where they're from, and you're gonna tell us if you like the movie Big Fish with a thumbs up or thumbs down rating. When you're finished, pass it off to the next person on your screen who hasn't introduced themselves yet. I'll go first. Hey guys, my name is Siren Elsie Aquatail. I'm from the Loveland, Ohio area, and I give this movie two big thumbs up. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. And I'll pass it off to TC. I'm Siren TC. I live on the island of St. Croix. And um, I give this movie a mostly thumbs up, like a three quarter up, like a like a ten o'clock. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nine, I guess nine o'clock would be three quarters, but I was going further. I'm going to oh. give it a ten o'clock thumbs up. Okay. It kind of adds oh. a whole bunch of ratings. <laughs> I know. Mer? Mer? Okay, it's me. I'm Mer. I am from the Cincinnati area, Red Tail. And I loved this movie. I love movies that invoke some emotion, and that did this for me. So I uh, give this movie a thumbs up. And next on my screen is Bill. Hi, I'm uh, Bill. I am the biggest fan of Siren Soapbox and um, related to Siren Sara here by marriage. And the movie I- and Is there and anyone also, else you're, re- is there anyone else you're related to? Yeah, Just on my checking. screen, on my screen, it's the lady right below where I'm pointing, uh, my sister, Siren TC. Um, I give the movie two thumbs up, actually. Uh, and I, I'll talk more about why later, I guess. Are you passing it to? No. Put your finger point towards me. Oh, I'm a Siren Sara, and I am in the uh, Northern Kentucky area. I am a 
also related to Siren TC, obviously, which is awesome, and um, related to this guy. And I gave the movie two thumbs up. Really enjoyed it. And that leaves Brian. Hey, everybody. This is Brian from Loveland. Uh, I give... Hi. Yeah, give, give Loveland a shout out. I, I give the movie two enthusiastic thumbs up. I really like this movie. It's a sweet movie. It was an emotional movie. Uh, I'm glad. I, I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, but I really, really enjoyed this movie. That is awesome. So everybody liked it. So for TC's kind of... Yeah, TC, I think I know why, but I want to hear from you. No, no, no I want to hear, hear from you. I think you don't like it. I think you didn't give it a full thumbs up because someone died in the end because it was about death. Death was like the undertone. Is that right? Yeah, it hurt my throat. I'm really curious what happens to everyone when you feel a lot of sadness. It hurts my throat when I feel sadness and this hurt my throat. Well, I cry and that's what happened to me. So... Full disclosure, I watched this movie today and I watched the first half of it while I was at work doing something mindless. And when I got home and I I watched the second half and I am so glad that I did because I got to pay closer attention to it. And I freaking bawled like a baby. I'm so glad that didn't happen at work. When I'm sad, I feel like this emptiness, like, like a stabbing emptiness. And then I cry like words. (laughs) Does everybody else feel? Yeah, well, I, I I hear what everyone's saying. I just didn't think this movie was sad because I, I I thought it was inspirational at the end because you see a connection between a father and a son, and that's I couldn't think of a better way to go out than the way that the father went out, surrounded by someone who finally understood him and got him, and uh, he was surrounded by him when he when he passed. I just I saw it as inspirational, not really a sad movie. I can get on board with that. I actually, while I was sitting here crying like a baby, I think that was why I was crying. It's like, you know, that was, it, it felt like that was exactly what his father needed at that time. And he was able to give it to him. And that was pretty cool to see. And I think that's where the emotion was invoked. I mean, I think it was important for the son to, um, to do it that way too. I think it meant a lot to him to have done it that way. That was that, mm-hmm. that, I think that almost got me more emotional than, than the fact that the father was passing away. It was the connection that seemed like the son finally made. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you guys think that had he not gone to visit Jenny and the doctor and kind of gotten their perspective on his father, do you think that he would have softened his heart to allow himself to make that big fish story at the end? I don't know. So part of the reason, your question kind of leads to part of the reason I liked the movie so much. What I have noticed over uh, my life, and it's become increasingly clear maybe over the past decade, I guess, probably because I've just paid attention and started to figure it out, People observe things through their own lens and from their own viewpoint, and they will take something different from an experience, even if they're standing right next to you when it happens. I'll give you a couple of examples. So, uh, as I said in the introduction, Siren TC is my sister, and we are very close. Um, We've experienced a lot of things together. But when she tells a story about something that happened, 
oftentimes I, I'm thinking, I, I don't remember it happening like that. That's not right. And I know years and years ago, I just thought, well, well she's a little nuts. Um, same with our other sister. Uh, our sister Lisa will recount an event that we were all at, and it was very different from what I remember. And I believe that all of us, as I said, we, we experience things through our own individual lenses. Our past experience affects how we are reacting to what is happening at any given time. And then when we retell the story, it sounds different than maybe everybody else who was with you when, when this event happened. And this movie reminded me of that. Plus, he clearly embellished when he was telling his stories to, uh, to give added flavor, which is something that I also frequently do on purpose. Sometimes I wildly embellish and just, and typically if somebody calls me on it, I'll say, yeah, that didn't happen that way. But um, I don't do it just, just to be lying about something. I do it to try to make it entertaining. And I, I kind of uh, think that Elsie, uh, when his son was there in the final days, he was finally maybe realizing the same thing. That his, all of those stories his father told that he thought were complete fabrications were actually based pretty solidly in truth. They just had some embellishments to them. And I, that's part of what I really loved about the movie. So right before that happened, the doctor told him the story of his birth, the real story of his birth. And he said um, something like, you know, I would have, I would have chosen the, the big fish in the wedding ring story personally. And I think that had he not had that conversation with the doctor, maybe it, he might not have, he might not have been able to connect with his dad and his deathbed that way. I don't, maybe. He still responded that he liked the doctor's story, the real story better. I thought that was interesting. That's because he's gone his whole life believing that he doesn't, well, not his whole life. He's gone his whole adult life believing that he doesn't like his father's stories. I mean, even as a kid, when they showed that whole Boy Scout thing and all the Boy Scouts were enraptured with the story and they oh. pan over to him and he's like, I don't know. My, my dad was definitely at least an embellisher of stories. And I, I was not a fan. I think some of the stuff with, with our dad was different from the movie though. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I can understand. I can understand that. I, I'll tell you when the movie won the vote, I was a little disappointed. I saw this movie when it first came out. And I must have been in a very different place in my life at that point, because I was very, very excited to see the movie based on the, um, what the trailers and, and the advertisements for it. And I can't remember what it was I was expecting back then, but I do remember that when I saw it, I was a little disappointed in it. I, I expected it to be different from what it was. And I even told Sarah when we started to watch it, you know, it, that, I only had mediocre feelings about it. And I didn't remember it clearly. When we started watching it, I was loving it from almost the beginning and just mm. continued to love it more as, as we continued to watch it. Um, I like the idea that somebody touches other people's lives 
in a positive way. And if, if when we did the, um, we talked about Joe Dirt. And if you remember, that was one of the things that I loved about that movie is that the main character touched other people in positive ways. And uh, Forrest Gump is one of my favorite movies because here's somebody who is touching just by being an, a nice person and going through life in a, with, a, with a positive attitude, touched people in so many different ways. And I think the same thing applies here. He, as he went through life, he touched a lot of people in positive ways. And I like that. So, sorry, Brian. You've... Oh, no, that's, I, I, I think it leads into what I wanted to say is that it, it is about perspective. And when you watch the movie before, you had a different perspective. You're maybe a different stage in your life um, and, and understanding your relationships with uh, your father or, uh, or, or how you are. And I look at it from you know, my relationship. I have two daughters with my daughters uh, informed how I watched this movie. And it was just it was a, to, to me just a very, um, a very powerful um, understanding of what perspective is and I know uh, everyone said it at the beginning that you know there there was some embellishment so there's an embellishment from the father and you know how much is of that is true and I'm sure the you know when they did the whole boy scout scene that the the son is just tired of hearing about his dad it's like here's another you know you make this speech at my wedding and you make it about yourself and I think that was the dad's way of sharing some of him himself with with the rest of his uh, family with his son with others uh, and the son didn't re recognize that because if you think about it he's also having a child like I think that impacted how he views his father because now he's going to see things through a father's eyes he didn't have that before so I just thought the movie did a great job of showing how you change how I change with the different stages that I'm in and I will see things differently based on where I am really interesting about perspective because this has always been one of my favorite movies but it's been a few years since I've watched it and my perspective I guess I chose to believe all of his tall tales and I was getting into an argument with my husband I'm like yeah all those things actually happen you see that at the end of the at the funeral all those people are actually there and he's like honey no the whole point of the story is they were all embellished and I watched the movie again I'm like oh shit <laughs> I chose to believe all these fantastical things. And, you know, when I watched it again recently, I was very sad, you know, that, but I'm like, it was happy because he did get to connect with his father finally, right before he passed away. It was almost too late. And then when they're at the funeral and you see those little hints and glimmers of things that were true. And again, all those people that he, he touched in his life and it was, and it's I love that story. I found it interesting though that he never told the story about how the Siamese twins had surgery to get separated. <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's part of what really I like about the movie is that the embellishments didn't really substantially change the story. So what's the difference if those two women were Siamese twins or just twins? I mean, that's a pretty fantastical difference. <laughs> well, is it, though? is it though? I mean, the point of the story is that they, there were these women, they needed to escape, he needed to escape, they worked together, they escaped. That's the point of the story. The idea that they were Siamese twins does make it more fantastical and maybe more interesting to retell, but it doesn't change the substance of the story, the substance of what happened. And to me, that's why I enjoyed the embellishments. And TC, 
I, I'm, I find it interesting that you didn't like the ending because it was death. My question is, was it death? The son laid his father in the river and he became the big fish. Now, I happen to believe that when we die, it is unfortunately the end of everything and there's huge loss. But in this movie, when he passed, he changed forms and became this big fish, perhaps. And I know that's more in line of what, what you believe, TC. So I'm, I'm surprised you didn't like it. So it's not that I think it was a sad movie. And it's not that I dislike sad movies. Also, I gave it a 10 o'clock thumbs up. Right. Just not a 12 o'clock <laughs> thumbs up. And the reason is because in my life, I choose not to voluntarily feel sadness. And at the end of that movie, I did feel sadness. If I could choose a movie, it would be a movie that would make me laugh the entire way through because life offers me opportunities to be sad. I'm not going to sign up for them. So, I, I, and I've had lots of people tell me that that's, um, what's the word? Ridiculous. When you only go, no, when you only hit, when you only go so far down on the surface, shallow, I've had people tell me that's shallow and that's fine. You can think it's shallow, but for me, it's a life choice. I choose happiness when I have the option to choose happiness. So if I'm going to watch a movie, it's just going to be funny the whole way through because something eventually is going to happen that elicits that feeling of sadness in me. I'm not going to choose it. So that's just how I feel. TC, did you like Joe Dirt? I can't, I'm trying to remember. I did. I like Joe Dirt. See, for me, and, and again, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess. Joe Dirt um, made me feel sad many times, you know, I guess. And this is why I don't love watching it all the time. I think Bill would have us watch it, what, maybe every other night? Um, but because for me, um, I got sad at all the horrible things that were happening to him. Now, I know Bill takes the perspective, but look how positive he remained and all the positive things that he did. But it always made me sad. And, you know, like going back to childhood and, and, and being the odd kid out because you just moved there. And I just didn't like people being mean to each other because I didn't like people being mean to me when I was a kid. So I got sad many times during that movie. Yeah. If that movie made me feel sad, then I might like it less. But that movie doesn't make me feel sad. I feel like that guy lives the way I feel people should live. Buck up and make the most of it. But when somebody, when a loved one, a parent in particular dies, that will almost always. In fact, if I know that a mother dies in a movie, I just won't watch it. Well, Bambi's out the window for next movie club. I, it's it's true. And that it doesn't matter how good the movie is, because I know there are good lessons, there are good feelings, there are funny parts, all of that is really good. But if I know it's gonna make me feel that way at some point in the movie, there are lots of other movies to watch. I'll just choose a different one. Perspective. Yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. Like it is one of my favorite movies, but I'm not going to watch it again for several years because it does make me sad. But it's one of those ones where it's a nice reminder, like you should be living every day like it could be your last or live it in a fantastical way and touch the people around you in a positive way. 
so that you can become a fish at the end of your story. And, uh, but my go-to movie is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I'm having a bad day and I need to feel happy. So. (laughs) Yes, man, for this girl. Like that movie, that movie, Joe Dirt, it didn't, I, I don't like to see people mistreat others, but he, he never took the role of a victim. He never felt, woe is me. And people are going to do shitty things in your life. It doesn't make me sad necessarily when people do shitty things. It's just, it depends on how you respond to it. So Joe Dirt, but I had a very different childhood than you did. I mean, I had a really close to ideal childhood, so it didn't hit the same soft spots that that movie might hit for you. Yep. Like like we've been saying, it's all, it's all where you're coming from, how you react. Right. Right. Both of my parents are dead. So if a parent dies in a movie, I might not watch it. Elsie, you mentioned Bambi. Uh, do you, does anybody remember what her mother's, Bambi's mother's name is? Crazy joke. Target. Oh my God. You're so, that's terrible. <laughs> I was thinking like mounts or something because her head's mounted on a wall somewhere i mean oh my god <laughs> ridiculous do you guys i know tc's go-to movie is yes man i'm gonna assume bill's is joe dirt marisara and brian do you guys have no what, what's everybody's go-to movie if you're having a bad day and you just need a smile well since may it's been the bob's burgers movie Ooh. obviously yeah I've seen it like four four times already. You need to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch watch the uh, watch the trailer to the movie. I'm a big proponent of the Bob's Burgers movie trailer. It's, it's excellent. A, it's funny. It's not in the movie. It's not. It's it's totally separate from the movie, but it's really good. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, I okay. like that. First thing I do when I sign off. My, yeah, my, and I and I, and I, I don't know that I have a go-to movie. Um, I watch way too many movies, uh, so it just it, it depends on my on my mood. But if if I if I could, since we're talking about the death theme, there's a there's a piece in the movie where uh, the boys, three of the boys, go to the witch's uh, house, and two of them have the opportunity, and they they see how and when they die. And then the question is of the dad, can he choose to know how and when he dies? And he decides, I want to know. And he looks and he finds out and he's like, huh, well, isn't that something? And then he moves on. And I thought that was a powerful scene because I don't know that that would be my decision. So I, I guess for the crew, if you had the opportunity and could know how and when you die, would you choose that? Absolutely, 100%. I don't, I don't even have a question about it. I would want to know when and how. Absolutely. I think I would. I don't think I would. I, I don't like it if I accidentally see the end of a, of a book for some reason <laughs> before, before I get there. So um, I, I don't like surprises being ruined. So I think I'd keep it as a surprise. I don't want to know. I don't want to fret about it. I don't want to... And then I feel like, oh, well, shit, I better do all that planning that we've been talking about for when that happens. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be forced into doing that until I'm ready. So hmm. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this question. I think maybe before the movie, I might have said, 
I don't know. I might've said, I, I don't know still, but I like his, uh, <laughs> I know. Right. I do like his perspective on it though. He's, he said something like, well, if I know how and when I'm going to die, then every other, then I know I can survive anything else. And I thought that that was a very cool perspective on that because I mean, how many things do we do or not do because fear is holding us back from doing it? That's right. That's right. Imagine, imagine having that that knowledge that you can do whatever it is you're thinking, because it's not going to kill you. Now you still have to worry, could it maim you? But if you know how, if you know the details of when you die, you know what condition you're in. But imagine being able to do anything you wanted and knowing that's not gonna kill you, it's safe to do, you know? It's awesome. Did, did he know all the details? So like, for example, what if you know you're going to die flying in a plane? Mm. Then are you going to not travel? Cause that would suck. If, if you base it off the movie, those other boys, knew where they were and what they were doing with enough detail that you, you could, you could determine that. And they, they said they knew when and where and how, if you could know that, that'd be awesome. That, that's an awesome yeah. power. A squirrel must've run by at that part of the movie. Cause I don't <laughs> remember that at all. And we Do don't have squirrels, squirrels on the island. <laughs> we don't have squirrels. <laughs> I was going to say, I just watched a movie and I don't want to say which one it was uh, last week and he knew how he was going to die. He didn't know when, and it gave him the courage to fight all these people. But when he found out the guy's like, well, you're going to die by electricity. And he's like, but I'm an electrician. (laughs) He's like, well, you got to find a new job. But I, I don't, think I would want to know I know I'm super curious and that would be really tempting for me uh as I think it would be for a lot of people but I don't know I I think it would give me the courage to do a lot of things but I don't think it would change I feel that whatever's going to happen is going to happen for a reason and I just have to put my faith in God and that's what I choose to to believe in and not worry about all that other stuff what about, what about you, Brian? Brian? What about you, Brian? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny. So the the short answer is no, I would not want to know because I'm a results-oriented person. So if I found out that it was tomorrow, uh, I wouldn't be happy about that. If I did find out that it was, you know, I was I'm I'm 97 years old and I'm surrounded by family like he was, and I can understand how that's comforting. But if I see in my vision that it looks just like me, and that could be next week. I'm not going to want to know that. So, so be, because the downside would be so big, I just, I wouldn't want to take the chance. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I don't know that I would want to know. I'm yeah, such a procrastinator. I'm such a procrastinator that I'd be like, oh, I have 15 years left to do that. I have 10 <laughs> years left to do that. I have five years left to do that. That's what would happen. I'd end up dying even when I knew it was going to happen and not doing the shit I want to do. So I'm just going to pretend I don't know, like I don't know, and keep doing all the interesting things. Just but in then case. here's the question. If you do know, can you take the steps to avoid it? Or are you still somehow going to end up in that situation anyway? Because that one guy still was he died on the shitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's part of the equation. You can't avoid it. If it's, I, I don't want to be in a plane, somehow you're going to be in the plane. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. we know that it's going to happen. So we just have to deal with it. I think that's, I think that's the toughest thing. 
I, I would live my life trying to avoid that eventuality instead of actually living my life. And I think that's, exactly. the, that's the tough thing. Yeah. Right. That's what I would be afraid of. If I'm going to die in a plane, I don't want to know that because I want to fly all over the freaking world between now and then. And if I'm going to die in a plane next week, would I cancel? Would I try to cancel that trip? And how would I end up in a plane? Like there just seems like there would be a lot of turmoil leading up to that. I don't want to know. I think I think it bring a, a tremendous peace. If I know how and when I'm, I'm going to die, then you know, I'm, I wouldn't be trying to avoid being on the plane. If I know I'm going to die in a plane flying from here to California, I'm still going to get on the plane. But knowing what's going to happen gives me the opportunity to uh, be prepared for it, to let people I love know that I love them. Um, and I don't have to reveal to them why I'm saying those things. And I, I demonstrate that I love the people I love enough, but it would allow me to <laughs> That's enough of that. say those final things. And um, I, I'll tell you, there's a movie that I'm going to nominate at some point, so I won't tell you too much about it. But the actor, the main actor in this movie, filmed it when he had terminal cancer and no one knew. And he would disappear for moments or periods of time when they're supposed to be filming, they weren't sure where he was, and he would be in his trailer or he'd be somewhere suffering through this pain and trying to compose himself. Black Panther? No, no. And trying to compose himself to come back. And he would come back and he would, everybody knew Black Panther, lots of folks knew. This guy, nobody knew he had cancer. He filmed this movie. He was nominated for an Oscar after filming this movie. And then he took time to write letters to his loved ones. And when the, the cancer progressed to where he could no longer take care of himself and he was a burden, was going to be a burden, he made sure that he would not be a burden. But he left these letters. And that brought him peace, knowing he so in a way he knew what was going to happen. He knew when and how because he planned it himself, but he was able to prepare before he went and and, and communicate with all of his loved ones, how he felt about them. And that concept to me brings a great peace of mind. But see, I think that's something different, Bill. I think you're talking about choosing, choosing when it's time versus being told when it's time. Of course, maybe it's there kind is of a different. difference. There is a difference, but in order for me, the, the ability to prepare and communicate to loved ones is the same, whether it's at his own hand or at the hand of something else. You know, that we, we, should, we, we should be doing that now though, because the, exactly. reality, the reality is all of us, that's our fate. We don't know if it's five mm -hmm. years, 15 years, 50 years, but that's going to happen to all of us. So right. the lesson should be, we should do that right now and communicate those things because we don't know if it's gonna be tomorrow. I really do try to live that way. It's hard and I'm not perfect. Like a couple of days ago, I was really grumpy at Dino. And then I came back and told him that I was sorry that I was grumpy. And I make a conscious effort to not ever be grumpy because I don't know what my last communication with him will be, when it will be or what it will be. And so it's like, dad, he didn't know. He was just crossing the road. I'd rather not know. And I'd rather live my life in such a way that when it happens, my last words with people aren't, don't be such a dumbass. 
just kidding. I, I, I would not say that to Dino, but I'm just saying like, I hear what you're saying and I get it. And it's a really great concept, but I think, I think I just want to live that way, knowing that it could be at any moment. And that's what I get from mom and dad, knowing that it could be any moment. And that's, you know, that's good. That works for you. I mean, if I had my wish, it would be that we all get to end our lives in the way that brings peace to us and others. So that's fine. And, um, but just giving you my perspective on it. Yeah. If, 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 if I had my wish, I'd put, don't be a dumbass on my tombstone, but. <laughs> <laughs> we have an idea for a future episode where people, you're supposed to go out and find a recipe on a tombstone and then recreate it on the lookout for someone saying, don't be an asshole on their tombstone. <laughs> I just didn't even know that that was a thing. Apparently it is all over the world. Recipe? I've mm. never heard of it. Yeah. There's a lady that's got millions of followers and that's her whole shtick is recreating recipes on tombstones. I mean, do you find Nana's recipe for chocolate chip cookies? It's your legacy, man. So that's a, that's a that's a friends episode. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's the recipe on the back of the Toll House cookie bag. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's going on my tombstone now. Is the Toll House recipe? <laughs> so, do you remember the little when he found that uh, little town that didn't even have a paved street? It just had grass. Everybody was walking around barefoot. Spectre. Spectre. And the, yeah, and the little girl came up and said she wanted him to come back. Yeah. Anybody know who the little girl is in real life? No. Miley Cyrus. That, uh, that was what? Miley Cyrus? Miley Cyrus. It was her first movie ever. Huh. Now I have to look that shit up. Yeah. All right, you're looking up, so I don't have to. I was yeah. going to say, you can still visit that town. I did that this summer. You did? That movie set is still in existence in Alabama. And it's somewhere in between Montgomery, Alabama and Florida. And we purposely made a stop because I love that movie so much. And you can walk through the tree and you can see all the shoes on the wire. And it's, it's really cool. And it's so decrepit now. It's, I mean, it looks just like at the end when he goes back to visit Jenny again. Um, it, it was just a cool experience. And there are hundreds of goats that live on this little town and they'll just come up and visit you and I'll I'll send you the TikTok I made on it. <laughs> it's fun. That's cool. Can, can I can I say can, can I tell you the one the one thing that I didn't like about the movie? I really, really enjoyed it. Um but it, it just it didn't necessarily ring true is when he's at the circus, the father's at the circus and he meets or sees his soon to be wife. And he dedicates, we know he dedicates three years to pursuing her without ever talking to her, without ever uh, uh, being in her presence for more than that, that glance. And the, the uh, way that the movie tells the story is that's his true love. And every time, whenever I, I see that or think about that, it just, it, it, it falls apart for me because he's never had a conversation with her. I mean, all he's basing that on is this, this glance, this, his, his physical attraction to her. It has to be because he just, he doesn't know who she is. And she even says the first time they really talk. And I think this is six years later, she says, you don't even know me. You want to marry me. You don't even know me. And 
and and and that takes me out of the movie in some ways. Did anyone else feel that or, or were we just like, oh, this is a beautiful love story? I'll go first. I felt like it was a beautiful love story. Oh my God. Me too. <laughs> Sorry. I I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I would have felt that way had I not met my husband in a um, weird moment like that. Uh, do, do I describe this to everyone now? Because it's- Sure, yes. please. We're yes. sharing. We're sharing. Uh, I was at my friend's house and- we were in the basement, their laundry, their um, dryer was broken. And I'm sitting down on the couch and there's a pile of wet laundry next to me. I placed my hand on a pair of men's tidy. It wasn't whiteies, it was purple. It was color purple, tidy whiteies. It was wet because it wasn't through the dryer. So I'm like, I throw it. And in comes in my friend, Corinne, and her boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, and these purple underwear smacked my husband in the face. And that night, I I knew it was December 19th, 1999. I'm like, I'm going to marry that man. And the next time I saw him was a couple weeks later. He was on the news because he lost his brother and sister. He's going to kill me that I just told you guys the story. <laughs> um, they're fine they're still alive to this day but they got lost in the woods there's a flash flood and you know whatever and he was on the news and I point to him on the tv I'm like mom dad that's the boy that I met and I'm gonna marry him someday and I just knew and then a year later he we finally started dating it's not been an easy road but we're still married and and you you didn't you didn't you didn't have a conversation with him before you made that declaration okay all right, I'm on board then. I'm on board. I, th- I think there are just sometimes you just know. But that's just me. Ruthie is a minor character in Big Fish. She is one of Edward Bloom's friends and the only female to join the hunt for the witch's eye. She Hold does on. not like it. I know that you're reading the thing that TC sent, but I am super curious about what Bill and Sara think about that because they are the most in love people I've ever met in my oh, freaking yeah. life. You want to go? Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I agree with Brian a little bit, you know, I, I I guess I'm just not sure why he didn't do other things to figure out how to find her. Right. Um, I guess, cause he made that deal. I, I just didn't, it just was confusing why he spent all that time living that life, getting a little bit of information. I mean, go find the information out some other way, but I don't know. I didn't love that. I didn't love that part. I feel that um, in most cases, the concept of love at first sight um, is somewhat fictionalized. It's um, you may have an amazing attraction to someone the first time that you see them. And that may grow into a very strong love but I don't know that I buy into the concept that as soon as you see someone, you automatically have that strength, that, that level of love. So I appreciate what you said about the two of us, uh, Mer. <laughs> but I can tell you, I love her more today than I did when I first fell in love with her. And I think um, working on a relationship and, and being respectful and, and having common goals and 
and, and so forth leads to that strong love. I, I, I don't know that I really believe in the concept of having that deep, strong love at first sight, but it is a nice thought. And I think that's why it hits so many movies because it's a, it's a nice thought. I think their love grew over time as well. Like I, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when she gets in a bathtub with him. That's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. Mine when too. we watched the movie, I paused it and told her the entire movie is worth watching just for this one scene. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. I think it was the most beautiful scene of the movie. I got to tell you, I can remember the moment that I met Dean and the fact that I thought he was one of the best people I've ever met. And that I thought whatever woman ended up with him was a very lucky woman. And I was always half scared that it would not be me. <laughs> Did I love him at first sight? I don't know that I can say I love Dean Cook at first sight, but I knew from the moment I met him getting ready to dive on Cane Bay that there was something different and special about that dude. I believe that happens. I definitely believe that happens. Yeah. 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 I, I actually struggled a little bit with that. The scene that everyone loves with the, the uh, bathtub, just because I don't like to be in wet clothes. But now that I, now, now that I heard the story, I understand that throwing wet underwear on someone is the way to express love. So I'm, 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 I'm all in now. I'm all in. Are you a diver, Brian? You know what? I'm not. Not and, yet. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm not yet. I'm not yet. And the, the reason I'm not is I, I looked in the witch's eyes and apparently that's the way I go. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid it. But no, here, here's, here's, and, and I, I, I follow the sirens. I, I love your episodes. You do a great job. Um, I snorkel and I've talked to Mer about that. I, I, I do that, but uh, I have not um, gone full scuba. I may. His youngest daughter is just old enough to get certified. So we, yeah, we might make it a family, uh, family <laughs> affair. And, and now, now I understand purple underwear, purple, purple tidy whities yeah. purple tidy whities There you go. Way to go. So uh, to make a quick correction, where where LC uh, was going, um, Miley Cyrus's character was Ruthie, which was with the boys when they went to visit the witch. It wasn't a little girl that uh that he met in the in the town it was the girl that was his friend who went with the boys to see the witch oh, but that was that that was miley cyrus and um that was her first role i can actually hear her now i can picture her and i can hear her voice that makes me like the movie less now thanks a lot bill <laughs> sorry, I ruined it for you. sorry i ruined that for you just kidding it just it hit me like a wrecking ball <laughs> Did, uh, was it love at first sight for you and Mark? You know, I, it's, it's a pretty similar story to all of yours. Um, when I met There's Mark underwear there too. Yeah, no, but when I met Mark, I, we, I, all right. So I was dating online at the time. And when I started talking to this dude, it was like the first synchronicity we had was we're both divorced. We both have our kids half the time. And we both have the same exact visitation schedule. That never happens. It's always a struggle to try to find somebody or try to find time to date someone when you're a single parent. Um, but that was like perfect. And then he picked me up, which I never let anybody pick me up for a first date, but I felt 
like, I don't know. I really trusted this guy. So I let him pick me up for our first date and we drove the same car. We both drive Volkswagen. I have a golf sport wagon. He's got a golf GTI. We uh, had so much fun on our date that he spent the night. We didn't, there was, you know, we didn't have sex or anything that first night, but he did spend the night. And then we went to breakfast the next morning and had, we both took our coffee the same way. It was just a whole lot of little things that made me feel like synchronicity. Yeah. I, I, I did know pretty early that he was my person, but I don't think I was in love with him right away. But I think I know you I just to know. Say hello to that guy, Bill. Finally, just had to do it when I saw him standing over there and, you know, I don't know what that instant attraction was. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it love at first sight because I'm not sure that I'm a huge believer in that necessarily, but, um, I don't go and say hello to people. It's making me blush already again, thinking about how I did that. I don't go up and say hello to people. Um, it just, I, 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 I had to do it that night. And here we are. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I, no. So, so I, I originally uh, said that that took me out of the movie, the whole, whole thing. And I, I stand by that because they didn't have a conversation. I will say, the first time that I met uh, my wife, so we had a we had a conversation. We met, um, talked for I don't know thirty minutes, something like that. Uh, when we left, first time I met her, when we left, I called my parents and said I I feel like I just met my wife, and it was true. So it ended up happening that way. So I agree that it happens, <laughs> but but at least we had that conversation first. That was that was the part that took me out. It's, it was just to me based in the movie totally on the physical piece of it because they just had a passing glance they didn't even have a conversation so that's the only thing maybe maybe, maybe not the thing is he was immediately attracted to her he hunted her down for years they could have had that first conversation and he could have been like dude i just wasted three good years and walked <laughs> away the movie wouldn't have been as good so it could have happened but i think the love was built over time and it it was a it was a nice love story. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was a I thought it was a very nice love story. And the so one of the things that we have talked with each other about frequently is there are certain things, certain characteristics, certain habits of of other people that would be an absolute no to a relationship if it was discovered. I mean, absolute hard no. There's there's a handful of those for both of us. And somehow, and a lot of these things are very, very common among a lot of people. And somehow neither of us had those absolute relationship breakers uh, for the other, which, which I find interesting. You know, it's not as though, yeah, she has this one habit. I don't really like it, but I put up with it. You know what? Those things that I really don't like aren't there. It sounds like it's episode of Seinfeld. So Sarah didn't have man hands. That's right. Sarah had <laughs> man hands. He wasn't the quiet talker. So yeah, that's she wasn't a, a close talker. Yeah. Her that's name right. didn't rhyme with a uh, female body part. <laughs> I didn't walk around the house naked doing. Well, wait. Never mind. Oh, yeah. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Bill's in love with you. Part reason. Yeah. So, <laughs> Here's another fun thing about the movie. Has anybody seen the movie, the old movie with uh, Burt Reynolds called Deliverance? Yes. That old movie. And, and remember the, the famous scene is there's that kid on the porch playing the banjo 
and they get into this like totally inbred uh, community. And there's and this kid, he can't speak, he can't do it, but he can play the banjo. Remember that in the movie? So that kid is in Big Fish. He's the guy that was sitting on the porch and played the intro to the dueling banjo. You just had that brief moment. I saw when, that. Yeah, that's the same kid. Oh, I didn't realize that. Growing up as an adult in that movie as like a little Easter egg for the movie. Yeah. It's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. And the other yeah. cool thing about this movie is it was a novel first. But somebody connected with a movie, and I don't remember who, read, was able to get an early copy of this novel. It had not been printed yet. And he loved it so much that he begged the movie studio to buy the rights. So it was being converted from a book to a movie before it was ever released as a book. I thought that was interesting. So did Tim Burton buy it before it became a book? No, it wasn't supposed to be Tim Burton at first. It was going to be Steven Spielberg hmm. that directed oh, wow. it. And then he had a conflict with another movie and he backed out as the director and Tim Burton stepped in as the director. In fact, um, the, uh, the, the dad in the movie was uh, at one point, it was gonna be Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson, were, they were gonna use makeup and use him as both the young and the old uh, character. And then that got switched as the movie was being put together as well. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of neat little things about the movie like that. I don't know that I would have liked it as much. I'm sorry. Oh, I love Jack Nicholson. I think I would have liked it still. Oh, I think he was great as a Joker. And I can't think of any other movie he's been in right now. But <laughs> I don't know. It just, it changes it. Yeah, it would. He was the dad in The Shining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, one that would definitely one, change it. One, one flew yeah. over the cuckoo's nest. All yeah. of those movies. Yeah, yeah. Chinatown, all of them. Yeah, I mean, he's. It, it would be a. It would be a different movie. It would be yeah. a very different movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny because the 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 person they cast as the son, um, I I, I didn't think he was. Like, he didn't have this huge emotional depth to him. I don't know what the actor is. I mean, he did a fine. It was fine. But it's it's you know would that movie been different if there were you know a young Tom Hanks, someone that you you know, look at and have that emotional connection to, I'm not sure, but I, I just, I feel like the father was such a big personality. You almost needed a smaller personality in the son. You didn't want to have that, um, that, that similarity between the two. It's Ewan McGregor. And I think it was before he was like Obi-Wan and Star Wars. And, and you're right. It, he was a kind of a no name at that time. And the dad was such a big, Big character. I'm still kind of confused about Spectre. What is everybody's interpretation of that town? You know, when, when I first saw it, I actually thought it was a representation of heaven. I yeah. thought he had, he, had, he had walked in. So he, if you remember, yeah, he, he makes a fork in the road when he's walking with his, his giant friend and he goes there and they make you take your shoes off and, and, and it just, everything that they described sounded like it was heaven. And then when he left, I just, that was, that part was confusing because I thought that was the representation. Yeah. I thought it was too. And when he left, I thought that he had been resuscitated and whatever was going on, like, you know, that when you, the, you hear people have near-death experiences. I thought that was his near-death experience. 
But then he meets Jenny later on. Like the son meets Jenny in Spectre. So then right. that's where it got really confusing for me. Like, okay, this place does exist, but it's not perfect anymore. But I feel like the whole movie was trying to bend reality in ways that you didn't know if it was bent or straight. Like, was this real? Wasn't it real? Did this happen? Didn't it happen? I feel like the whole movie was all about that, which was kind of one of my favorite parts of the movie is sometimes you hear people tell stories and you think that's a, that's a big pile of, and then it all turns (laughs) out to be true. Like, I I don't know. I liked that. The town of Spectre, um, the way it, the way it affected me is for uh, most of my life, especially um, probably all my adult life, I've always wondered and kind of in the back of my mind looked for this perfect place to live. And in Joe Dirt, he found that and it, w- it was called, um, what's it called? Silvertown, Silvertown. And so I started referring to it as looking for Silvertown. When Sarah and I travel, we almost always have a conversation of what would it be like to live here? Is this a place we might wanna live? And so that idyllic community, that idyllic town um, that's what Spectre represented to me in the movie. It was, it was the same kind of tied in with that. I know I didn't describe that clearly, but you probably caught the gist of it. So, so I just did a quick search on what, what Spectre represented in Big Fish. And the first answer that came up is that um, any comparison the viewer, the viewer draws are based on how he interprets the imagery and events of the scene, which is interesting. It's kind of the whole movie is that way. Perspective. Mm -hmm. The fact that they, you weren't ever supposed to leave had a very sinister undertone. Yeah, I agree with that. So it didn't seem like an ideal, you know, like the the ideal place to live. It was like Hotel California-esque. Yeah, (laughs) that's almost like, a more of a heaven thing where well it might be freaking awesome to get there but you're not leaving right um so i didn't i don't know i it, it had a very sinister undertone to me like the that poet thinks he's doing great stuff but he's being held back in some way all he writes is those three lines and you have to take your shoes off and they throw your shoes up and on that line so that you can't ever put your shoes back on to leave it just had a very sinister undertone for me yeah it's 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 sort of like terrace park i'm just kidding no. <laughs> i was like that's a real town and i know right. that place oh my so god I very, yeah i felt very similar to what you just said sarah until it became clear he could leave and, and when he said he was leaving nobody said oh you can't leave and they tried to hold him there they said what what do you mean you're gonna leave nobody leaves and to me, that's when it changed to this must be the ideal town. But at this point, he knew that he wasn't supposed to be there yet. He wasn't supposed to die there. He had other things to do. And he went and did those other things, knowing someday and even making the promise that he would come back. Um, so at first, I had that very same feeling, especially when they bring him in and they sit him down and they're feeding him. It was just an odd vibe and then when he left obviously he could leave and and just nobody thought of doing that before so maybe maybe it represents a mediocrity in what way in what way does it people get comfortable and they think it's ideal 
and they don't leave because they don't think to leave. They can leave at any point. There might be bigger, better things out there, but this is how it is. And it's you gotta comfortable. explore outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all comes together. It all comes together. Or maybe yeah, like- it represents a, a bad uh, a bad drug trip. Cause you know, like when when you have your shoes on a wire, doesn't that tell people that you can buy drugs from that location? That is a uh, is that what that means? That's a yeah. myth. That's a common myth, yes. I mean, maybe it's showing the imperfections in perfection. You have this perfect little town and he thinks that's what he wants, but it's not actually what he wants. He wants imperfections in the real world. And um, I guess where I got confused is he kept saying he's not supposed to be there yet. And then at the end of the movie, he is a fish in a pond and not inspector. Well, if you remember, they the first time he showed up, they said, Oh, you're much earlier than we expected. That's and, true, yeah. And then when his son went back to talk to Jenny, she said the first time he showed up, he was too early. And the second time he showed up, he was too late. Yeah. So it was all about timing, also, which I think is an interesting concept. Like Mark is like the most amazing man I've ever met. Had I met him six months, a year, two years before I met him, I don't think I would have appreciated that about him. Same. Dino and I talk about that all the time. Like, why couldn't we have met sooner? And we always, we both come to conclusion that we weren't ready for each other yet. Yeah. We've had the same conversation as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Timing. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was so much complacency of the folks that are there or at least uh, of the the, uh, character that, Ian McGregor was playing at the time when I don't know if it, it's that or if he had this uh, compulsion toward duty. Uh, he felt that there were other things that he had to do. I mean, he referred earlier in the movie, he said, you know, he can do, he, he, I don't remember exactly how the lines went, but it was, you know, he was too big for that small town. There were things that he needed to do and he went out and he felt compelled to come back. And then when he saw that the town had changed, he felt compelled to do something to fix that. It seemed to me like, Oftentimes, he was motivated by what he felt he needed to do, what he felt to, um, not, not just what he wanted, but what he, what he should do. And he tried to help other folks. I think he, had a, he was compelled to do that. So in that way, uh, if, I, if I look at it that way, it reminds me of what is my very favorite movie. And it's difficult, I'll preface this by saying, it's very difficult for me to ever say, this is my favorite of anything because I like so many things. I may say, yes, that's in my top 10. But my very, very favorite movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. And George Bailey, the main character in that movie, lived his life based on what he felt he was compelled to do. In fact, it even trapped him somewhat. But at the end, he did reap benefits from that. And so did many, many people in that town. And he was able to see what life for others would have been had he not lived the way that he lived. So I don't know. It's a little similar. Is, is that why the movie is called what it's called? Because I mean, th- there's a phrase, big fish, little pond. Um, you know, is yeah. that, is that where he lived? So the, the father was this big fish. He metaphorically turns into a fish, but that is a representation of who he, well, he was too big for Spectre. Right. Uh, so he had to leave there. 
Uh, but but that's a that's a manifestation of who he is as a as a person. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I like that. So we have approached an entire hour, I think, talking about this. Does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I feel like we could do a whole nother hour. And I, I know like I'm I having so much fun. So much better. It's my <laughs> favorite. But listening to everybody else and their take, I feel like I've understood it better. Uh, I, I sure think we talked about the movie uh, this entire time. That's for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think final thoughts. I, um, when I first started watching the movie, I felt like, man, this, this kid has like lived his entire life here in the same story. And he's just annoyed. He's just annoyed by his dad. And I think about like my mom used to really annoy me, but we were good by the time she passed away. We, we had sort of mended all of those things that were all of those hurts. And I, I kind of miss being annoyed by her now. And I think that because his son was able to tell him the story of his death and he was able to, to make up that story for him, that was his sort of closure. And it made me happy for him that he got that. It made me happy for the dad too. Cause I, I, I think the dad wanted that connection and he was able to leave this world knowing that his son under, fully understood him. Cause I think that was hurting. Cause re- remember in the movie, they didn't talk for the three years or however long it was. And it looked like because his dad loved connection that that really hurt him. So he didn't want to pass into another world to another life into the afterlife until he had that. And he ultimately had that. So he was willing then to become the big fish. I thought that was a a fantastic piece. Maybe that's why he finally decided to let go because he made that connection. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I like to think that the son left that uh, when he left from that river uh, with a changed attitude toward um, storytelling that, you know. Did anybody do the challenge? Um, No. What was the challenge? To retell your day in a fantastical way to someone. Oh, I do that every day when I talk to Sarah, every day. And he does it every day. Every How many day. times do I tell people you can believe about 10% of what Bill says and it's always sprinkled in. It's yeah, not like there's, 10%. And there's, there's, there's probably, I mean, there's, there's truth to everything that I say, but it is uh, significantly embellished um, oftentimes. Yeah. So, especially if you see it on Facebook. Yeah. A lot of times on Facebook. There's <laughs> in there. Yeah. That's true. So I, I did. I got trapped in my neighborhood today because it rained all day long. We didn't have sunshine and the gate to leave my neighborhood is solar powered. And so I got trapped. I couldn't leave. And I I texted Dino and Dino starts texting some of our friends, telling them that I am a caged animal and they should come by and throw treats to me, but don't get their fingers too close and so then I started texting him that if if uh, if Godzilla came, I'd be doomed because I, I can't get out. That's but you cool. know what? <laughs> if King Kong was there, he would have lifted that gate for you and been like, here you go, my queen. Go ahead and live your life. <laughs> and then he would have climbed the Empire State Building with you, accidentally crushed you and dropped you to the ground. Exactly. Only, he only actually crushed her 
and she survived. Whoa, she survived. She's because fine. the military like was going after her. So we're gonna blame them. But uh, I guess the point, Tracy, is you embellished significantly today, and that's, uh, I think that's always a good thing. I think those little embellishments make stories more interesting, so. Um, I did escape. My, yeah, one of my favorite, uh, probably my, one of my very favorite comedians, uh, Norm, Norm MacDonald, wrote a book a few years before he passed away, and he referred to it as a memoir, and when he went on his tour to talk about his book, he commented, he said, this book is absolutely true. Everything in it is true. The stories, the specific details of the stories may not be true, but the book itself carries absolute truth. And I think it's an interesting way of, of looking at things. So he, and if you read the book and if you know his work intimately, then you see that all of these comedy stories that he has developed over his career are woven into this book in, in settings that make you go, oh, so that's, yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty interesting that way. So he, he says, they ask him uh, when he, when he's being interviewed, they would say, is this a true story? He said, the, the book itself is true. All of the stories in it aren't necessarily the truth, but the book is true. And he's trying to convey the idea that the thoughts that are left after you read this book are accurate and true but the details, the, the, the uh, intricate details may not be factual. And he tried to draw the distinction between the two. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about. And it kind of comes into play with this movie as well, that, that same thought. Sure. For sure. There's another book like that that has the word yes in the title. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, while she's looking that up, do we want to put in our submissions for oh, next for quarter's next movie, movie club? club? When is the next one? January? Yeah, I don't know what the theme could be. I'm almost kind of wanting to vote for It's a Wonderful Life just because it's so close to Christmas. Yeah, I, uh, I asked. That's why I asked when it was going to be. Yeah. So are we putting It's a Wonderful Life on the list? I, got I so think that's good. a great yep. one. That movie. It's on the list. Okay, good. You're doing that. Okay. Brian, give us, give us a movie. I'm I'm looking at the list of movies that I've I've recently watched. I'm I'm trying to okay. see if there's if there's something that's uh that's good. Um, I I'm just glad to see that we're keeping the um making sure we mention Godzilla in every recording. Mm -hmm. Keeping that alive. Oh, we didn't do, do that. You, last, did we do that last recording? Yeah, because remember the last recording, I went through the whole explanation of where Godzilla came from, and Mer's like, yeah, we talked about this on the last episode, and like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I remember. <laughs> so okay. Um, so I want to put Labyrinth on the list because it's my favorite movie of all time. David hmm. Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good one. If Dino has a book to recommend, a book, a movie to recommend. I would ask my husband, but he made me think watch things like. Brain Scan and Cujo and um, what's the one where the, he rides a bomb down at the oh, end? Doctor uh, Strange Love. Uh, Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen you seen that? Yeah. I feel like I need to watch it again though. Like I watched it when I was nineteen, and I'm like, maybe I'd have a different appreciation for it now. Different nah, perspective. You you think the same way? You probably think <laughs> the same way. All right. What else, Tracy? You have a movie? 
I'm thinking. Let me, let me actually look at the movies that I own on Google Play Movies. Well, I've got one. Is there a theme? Um, I don't think so. We haven't come up with January. There's a movie that's set in New York City. Hold on. Oh, just one? Just that that one movie? Narrow it down. (laughs) (laughs) Play Wolf in Seattle. No, no, it's um (laughs) that is set in New York, isn't it? And Seattle. Maybe it's called no, it's not. It's not called Once, but it's the same person who made that movie. Maybe it's called Once. Serendipity is a good New York movie. That's a good movie. Oh yeah, I need to watch that. Actually, we're gonna we just went to eat at the rest at Serendipity when I was in New York City just recently. Have you not seen it? I, I I have a suggestion since we're we're talking in January and January is is winter time. Have you all, so this movie was remade with Will Ferrell. I'm not talking about the remake, but Force Majeure. Have you seen Force Majeure? Do, do you know what that is? So so there's a um, there's an avalanche in the French Alps, and there's a family that reacts to the avalanche, um, and that's the plot point for the entire movie it sounds like it's a minor thing but it it gets into relationships it gets into um kind of like this movie that we just watched uh what is reality versus you know w- one person's perspective uh it is an interesting it is an interesting movie so before before you put that one on the list just understand i i uh, do a lot of volunteer work and have a strong stance against cannibalism so is there each other? <laughs> that's that's not this one. That's not this. Is movie. that outside your comfort zone, Bill? Yeah. No, it's just I think in the, I think here we are in the 21st century, and people aren't speaking out against cannibalism the way they should be. How is it? How is it okay to go to a party and serve finger sandwiches? Of all oh my God, Bill, stop it! <laughs> Chicken fingers. You 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 are you're brave. You are very brave. <laughs> Oh, Jack just said Moulin Rouge, which is another one of my favorites. Also, you oh, that's a good one. And then I'm he also there. said Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and now he's just insulting me because I think that's the best Indiana Jones film, and he disagrees. Mm, so he's just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what is that? Four movies? That's probably enough one i'm just coming up with the name give me a minute oh oh that's right tracy has one she wants to do i forgot it's called begin again begin again okay Ooh, that's a good one for january i know nothing about it i know the title (laughs) i'm assuming that they're going to yet again begin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one more time one more time one more time Mm-hmm. It's so good. I like Who's it. Who's in it? Um, famous. There are famous people. Who's the girl in Love Actually? That's Kira, really Kira, pretty. I'm, I'm looking at yeah. it now. Kira Knightley. Yeah, she's Kira in Knightley. it. Mark Ruffalo. And, uh, yeah, he's famous. And there's a famous singer in it. Adam Levine from Maroon Five. Yes, and another famous singer. Miley Cyrus? Jared Leto. (laughs) Tiny Tim. Is it Tiny Tim? No. Sonny Bono? Oh, 
CeeLo Green. Thank you. Yes. All right. I think so that's, that's a pretty good list. Yeah, that's a good list. Yeah. That's five. It's, al it's oh, also on Showtime. So if you, you want to stream it there, you can. Oh, good, good tip. All right. I have It's a Wonderful Life, Labyrinth, Begin Again, and what else? Force hmm? Majeure, and what else, Elsie? Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge. I um, love Moulin Rouge. But not Debbie Does Dallas. No, not Debbie Does Dallas. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Somebody, <laughs> somebody suggested that. Was it two movie clubs ago? Seriously? It was Deep Throat. Yes. Oh, oh no, yeah, deep deep throat. Throat. it was deep throat. And then we're looking it up. I'm like, guys, this sounds like a porn. And then I, I like to do it more. I'm like, it is totally a porn. Who suggested this? And how did we fall for it? Yeah, nah, never get. I'm sure it was Bill. It was what? <laughs> it might have been Mark. I think it was Dean. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, we want to leave our what? Dino's Dino's typing. Oh, Dino says Wedding Crashers. Oh, well, oh, and Mark said Interstellar. So, well, all right. As for closing counters of the third kind. <laughs> so we have eight. <laughs> oh, one day, but we not right. But not, not this time. Yeah. I don't want it to be on this list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, let's keep it to five as much as we can. All right. Well, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week. Uh, check out Getting Real with Siren Soapbox on Facebook and stay tuned so you can vote for the next movie club movie. We hope to see you here. And don't forget to check out our website, sirensoapbox.com for a mega dose of the sirens. And until next time, dive in, stay curious and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.